then claiming victory over over death um, in his resurrection. Um, because he lives, we can face tomorrow, Lord, and we praise you for that. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I trying to decide how to how to start talking this morning, and and I uh, I figured. Uh, I opened my mouth and started. Yeah, it's never been a problem before. Uh, I I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a in a in a family with a very distinct view of the world. Uh, my father was from South Chicago. Uh, he he grew up in a very poor neighborhood, and and his father was a garbage man, and he was a garbage man for a number of years, and and that's that's you know, and and in the south of Chicago, there is a religion that people follow. They are all White Sox fans. And God will judge them for that. My father, however, bucking the system, was a Cubs fan. I grew up in a Chicago Cubs home. And last year, miracle of miracles, the long-dead franchise won the World Series. And I, I went and watched the, the Cubs play in the seventh game at Peps because we don't have cable. And I thought, man, if I don't see the seventh game at least... It's, you know, it's like missing Christmas worship, like you got to be there. Um, so I, I, I went out and I, I ate dinner and I watched the Cubs play and I, and it was interesting to watch because it was like the seventh game and it was tied up and they, they went up ahead in the beginning of the game and by mid game they were behind and I was watching all of these Cubs fans around the room like it, it was as though the world had ended, you know, the, the hope had been dashed the great hope that the Cubs would win the World Series. And, like, I was following along on Twitter, and all of my Cubs fan friends on Twitter, I, you would think that, that you know, the, the end of the world was happening. Um, you would think that, that the stock market had crashed the way they were reacting. And then they came back and they won. And, and I, I, I got, actually got on the phone and I called about a dozen people I know in Chicago, and I said, get me a copy of the Chicago Tribune with the Cubs win the World Series on the front. Just pick it up for me. Every one of them went to 7-Eleven or gas stations, and everywhere they went, every copy was sold out. Um, and on the news, there were huge parties and a parade and everything else. And then the following week, an election happened. And the following weekend, my wife and I went to Chicago, and we were excited because we were hoping the party would still be going on, and instead there were a bunch of protests because people were mad about the election. And all of that joy for that risen from the dead like victory was gone because there were other worldly concerns that took over and just sort of grabbed it away and everybody was angry then. Um, this morning we are celebrating something that does not go away if the world goes wrong next week. It is not a temporal joy. It is not a temporary joy. It is a big, real, awesome, fantastic thing that is, I mean, I mean, it spanned the millennia. I mean, we are literally thousands of years later and people still, like, weep over remembrance of the fact that Jesus rose, um, that God promises victory. And there's a reason for that. The hardest thing I've found as a pastor, the hardest thing, um, other than getting up on Monday morning, but I think that applies to everyone, except farmers. You guys can sleep in on Mondays, right? Uh, <laughs> um, is, is, is the few times I've, I've sat with families and watched a family member pass away. And you hear, like, the hopeless wails and the crying and the, the mourning. And, and in our culture, we kind of shield ourselves from that, right? Like, we don't expose ourselves that much. But Easter is about solving that problem. Easter is about God's promise that everyone will come back. 
Like that in the end there will be a resurrection of the dead. Like the Jewish faith, they believed that everybody would be resurrected, that everyone would come back and face God, right? And, and Easter morning is about that. Good Friday is about making sure you show up in front of God okay, um, like because Christ carries punishment for our sins, and if we are his people, he forgives us. We're, um, we're given forgiveness. But, but Easter is about that, that risen from the dead, that come from behind victory that, that nothing will eclipse, right? And that's worth saying. He's risen. I'm going to say it a few times to keep you all awake. It's early. I've only had one cup of coffee. Um, a week and a half before Jesus was crucified, he is talking to his disciples. He's teaching. and He says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. I'm starting with this. I hadn't originally planned it, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, Jesus makes a point. He says, I lay down my life willingly. And there are a lot of people who do that, right? I mean, that's not that uncommon. It is a darn sight more uncommon for people to pick their life back up. I mean, I'm going to die eventually, right? The mortality rate in our world, 100%. Like, really high. The news doesn't cover it. It's a scandal. But everybody will go. And it's a horrible thing. Um, But the reality is that it isn't the end. And Jesus proves it because he's actually able to come along and take his life back up again. He has authority to do that because he was sinless, because he was the son of God. Um, And here's the other thing that's really cool about that is he didn't do it because he had to. Watch this. Because he says it in the text, right? No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. That means that for you, for you... For you, when you were at your worst, when you were at your scummiest, when you were at your meanest and selfishest, that's a word, um, when you were at your lowest, when you were an enemy of God, God sent his son who willingly, out of passionate love for you, laid his life down. And then he proved that he was able to choose it by coming back. And that's why when we greet each other, we say, he's risen. All right, everybody's still awake. Um, but this wasn't an easy thing. And I'm this morning, what I'm going to talk with you about is the joy that comes with this, right? Like, like he does this willingly, but he didn't do it easily. Uh, before, uh, Christ goes to the cross, we see now is my soul troubled. He's talking to his disciples, right? What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I'm sorry. He was praying. Um, he didn't do this easily, right? It's not like. I don't know, sometimes I, I took the kids out yesterday and we went to um, Roadhouse Diner and I, and I took the weight on myself to eat like really greasy fast food with them. It was a burden to bear. I mean, like there's some burdens we bear that are nothing, right? This is not a small burden. This is Jesus tortured. This is Jesus pierced. This is Jesus humiliated. Not only that, when God saw Jesus on the cross, he poured out his wrath. Like every bit of anger for the Holocaust, every bit of anger for child molestation, every bit of anger for like abuse and horror and everything that ever happened was poured on Jesus on the cross. And he saw your sins there. Like the word there is propitiation. It's in one of the sermons this morning. It means that God traded our permanent records. And when he saw Jesus on the cross, he saw you. And when he sees us, if we're Jesus' people, he sees Jesus. 
Like we are given his righteousness. He is the propitiation for our sin. God punishes him in our place. Um, and Jesus was afraid, like because God turned his back on Christ on the cross. Like, like he experienced the worst of the worst, um, humiliated and abused and, and abandoned um, for you. Then he said to them, my soul is sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And, excuse me, and going a little further, he fell on his face, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Um, again, like, it wasn't fun, wasn't exciting. He was troubled. He carried a burden. Um, but it came with joy in the end. This is from Hebrews. Hebrews is a book that was written much later, right? Like the Gospels were written. And then Hebrews was written, and it sort of synthesizes the Jewish faith with Christianity. Got it? Like, if you want to really understand, like, how it all fits together, because it does. I mean, Christianity didn't just fall out of the sky. It is sort of the end of the story. Um, it's a little like if you sit down and you read the seventh novel in a series, and you're like, well, this book doesn't even make any sense. So you didn't read the rest of it. Um, the story of Jesus is the culmination. And Hebrews, like, ties it all together, gives you all the reveals, everything that was happening in the background, all the surprise twists, everything, and lays it out for you. Um, so Hebrews says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, he's encouraging the readers. He's saying, hey, there's guys around you, and there are guys in history who've been like these great faithful people. Um, and we can look at them, these people who like are a cloud around us that are an encouragement. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us closely, or clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to hit pause there. He's talking about racing. Everybody knows that you only run if something is chasing you, right? <laughs> or if you're in a race. Um, but racing, like, like running in a race means running toward a goal, right? Like I can't go out and run and say I'm in a race, and in reality I'm just running, you know, around. That's not a race. My children do that sometimes. We'll go from place to place, and, you know, oh, they run ahead, and, you know, I say, oh, it was a race. It was? Where did we race to? Over here. All right. I didn't know that. You know, like the life we live is a race. We are heading toward eternity. We are heading toward like our appointment with Jesus. And it is this thing where we look ahead and we look at the people running around us and we're encouraged. And then the writer parallels this, which is why I'm including it. It's a bit of an aside, but I wanted to give context. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, set before him and endured are racing terms, right? Like in, in the original Greek, like we're getting a racing analogy. And he's saying, listen, Jesus went and he ran his race. And he endured the cross, meaning he carried our sins. He was like, like went through this horror on our behalf, like for the joy that was set before him. What does that mean? Um, the resurrection and then the glorification like with God. He didn't look at the cross and say, that looks like fun, let's go there, right? He looked at the resurrection. He looked at the reconciliation. He looked at getting us back um, in God's good graces, like reconciling our relationship as the thing that was worth going through. Um, and so for that joy, like Easter morning, like we rejoice, but Christ rejoiced too, right? Christ rejoiced because it is like, the final stamp on, like, our passport to eternity. 
It is, it is our salvation. Like Jesus was raised and this joy was on him. And Easter brought him joy. Um, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so like eternity. Um, it also brought joy to his followers. So like this thing he did willingly on your behalf because he loves you, this, this down and out and then risen again, like it brought him joy. He did it because he loved you and that love brought him joy, like, like that reconciliation. It brought his followers joy. And actually like, has anybody ever sat with a family or like after a funeral or shortly thereafter or in preparation for a funeral or like in a hospital room and like watch the horror there? Like the, the brokenness that comes with it. Um, the disciples are in this spot. This man that they knew was from God because they'd seen him perform miracles and heal the dead or raise the dead and heal like sick people and lame people and make blind people see and everything else. Like Jesus did all this stuff. And it was like, it was like all of history came to a point. And these guys, most of whom were like uneducated and some of them were, were outright like wicked people. Right? Like Matthew was a tax collector. I mean, he was a cast aside. Most of his neighbors hated him, probably tried to kill him occasionally. Um, these guys were along with Jesus for the ride. They were there, and then they watched him crucified. And the women who went to his tomb on Easter morning were greeted by an angel. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he was risen. As he said, come, see this place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. I'm guessing fear has an awful lot to do with, hey, we just ran into a giant glowing person who is an angel. I'm just guessing. But the other end of that, actually, because it's, it's a phrase that the Gospels use a couple times. Have you ever had such good news that you could hardly believe it was true? Um, and this is the good news. Like, they knew. I mean, these were people that loved Jesus so much. Um, these are people, many of them, eventually, who would die for Jesus. Um, and they ran to tell the disciples overjoyed because this crushing occurrence had been turned around and Jesus was risen. And he is risen. Oh, I caught you all sleeping. <laughs> My daughter making fun of me. <laughs> or somebody else's child. <laughs> Spread the joy. Uh, all right, so a little while later, Jesus appears to his disciples. And actually, the disciples are gathered up. Some of them had encountered Jesus. Thomas hadn't. And when they said to Thomas, hey, we saw Jesus alive again. He's risen. And, and he is risen? Oh, see. I, <laughs> um, they, they go to Thomas, and Thomas says, you know what? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I'll tell you what. When he walks in the door, and I can stick my finger in the hole in his hand, and I can stick my hand in the hole in his side, then I will believe he came back. Um, by the way, Thomas, like, he's often depicted a lot of ways. He was probably very pragmatic, right? Like, he, he's the guy who is as grounded as possible. He says, I see you guys overjoyed, but I ain't buying it until I see it, right? I don't think he was doubting and evil. I think he was pragmatic. Um, he was also the guy who, when Jesus said, let's go to Jerusalem, he said, all right, fine, we'll go die with you. Um, and he said to them, why are your troubles and why do you doubt or why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. 
that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he, or, and when he had said this, he showed his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Um, disbelieved for joy, right? Like this moment that's happened and they see him and it is so fantastic that they can hardly believe it. They are overjoyed, probably weeping, probably singing. Probably when they ran into each other, they would say things like, Can you believe it? He is risen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So his followers were overjoyed. Um, On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This is another version of it. Um, Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. The Father has sent me, as I am sending you. Like like glad and joy and everything else. These are the words, right? Like the watchwords of the day. And that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we get up early-ish for for sunrise service um, to, to celebrate the fact that Jesus was risen. Um, and it's supposed to bring us joy, right? Like, it doesn't end with the disciples. This goes on. Um, one of the hardest days of my life, my, my wife and I, um, the first time my wife was pregnant, and we went to hear the baby's heartbeat. And we found out the baby, like, had not survived the first trimester. And it was this horrible thing. And we cried, and actually for days, it was really upsetting and everything else. And I had a pastor come to me, and he said, he, he had lost his daughter when she was 16. And he sat down with me, and he said, actually... As awful as that was, I never needed Jesus more than I needed him that day, right? I never needed the resurrection to be a real thing until someone I love needed to be resurrected. Um, The joy that comes to us, actually, it's the resurrection. It's also proof of Jesus' claims, right? Like if Jesus claimed, hey... Follow me, believe in me, and you can be forgiven. You can be made brand new. Every rotten thing you've ever done will be forgotten. As far as the east is from the west, God will take your sin away from you. Like that, That's proven when Jesus comes back because no one comes back, right? And then Jesus proves everyone's coming back. Everyone. And we can celebrate the fact that Jesus was risen and that we're forgiven and that God loves us that he's not out to get us, that we're not going to carry the weight and the burden of our sin for the rest of our lives. Jesus knew that what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you were asking yourself, what I meant by saying, A little while you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Now hit pause. This is right before the crucifixion. This is in the garden. He's about to be arrested. And he says, hey, you guys are going to cry. You're going to weep and you're going to lament. And you're going to be broken. And you'll be filled with tears. And the whole world is going to celebrate that I'm gone. Right? The whole world is going to have parties that they killed me. Um, and they did. People celebrated that that difficult man was finally gone out of their lives. And truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, 
but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Um, I remember watching Titus being born. My wife was in labor for about a weekend. Right? Abby was 52 hours, 51. Uh, 51 hours, and then Titus was no different because, um, because as much as I joke about it, birth is miserable and hard, right? Um, and I remember my wife hollering and yelling, and why did I decide to do this without drugs? You know, oh my gosh, this is the most painful thing ever. And she cried, and she, and then I remember the doctor took Titus and put him on her, and he was this bloody mess. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like it's staining the sheets and everything else. That's not what I thought. Um, <laughs> and my wife went from crying and screaming to holding that little boy and, and crying for joy, right? Um, and, man, what better explanation, what better comparison. It's actually a lot better than my Chicago Cubs thing. Um, we weep in the pain of death. We weep in the pain of loss. We weep in the pain of all the rotten stuff that happens in the world. And then we know that Jesus has risen and we we celebrate it. This whole new world that is born on Easter morning. This whole new life we receive because Christ was risen again. You have heard me say, I am going away and I will come to you. I have, if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Um, he actually goes on forward. He says, listen, not only should you have joy because of this, because I'll be risen again. But I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In eternity, I will be waiting for you, and I will come back and collect you up when the time comes. Actually, that goes so far as to where, like David, you know, what, 3,000 years before, 2,000-ish years before Jesus was born, said, like, even if I make my bed in hell, even if I make my bed in hell, Jesus will come and get me when the time comes. Not Jesus. The Lord will come and get me. He's talking about Jesus. He just didn't know it yet. Um, the joy we have is that Jesus has not only been risen, but he goes and he's preparing a place in us for, for God to live and in eternity for us to go to. Um, and man, we can have joy about that. There's hope. And you all have sins that you lay awake at night and you think about. You think, oh my gosh, I was dumb. Oh my gosh, I will never get away from that. Oh my gosh, how could I have done that? You know, those sins that keep poking you in the back of your head, we're forgiven for that. We'll face God and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? Not, oh, I know what you did. We get the promise of the prodigal son because Jesus was risen from the dead. When we arrive in eternity, he'll run out to greet us and throw a coat around us and put a ring on our finger and throw up a party because it is, you know, my child is here, right? That's worth celebrating. That's worth excitedly saying, he is risen. And it's something we should celebrate every day, not just on Easter morning, right? It's something that should shape our lives, the most wonderful things. Actually, it's funny. I've watched, and some of the people I know who are most deep and most profound are most shaped by the difficulty in their lives, right? Isn't that weird? But, like, the joyful experiences often don't shape us. This is joyful. This should shape us. And so we're going to go eat breakfast and we're going to spend some time together and we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus.
and the amazing gift that God gives us in his son. Um, and we're going to say at least a hundred more times today, he is risen. Let's pray and I'll, I'll let you all eat breakfast. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. Thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. Thank you so much for the joy that, that you gave him in anticipating the reconciliation and for the joy you gave to the disciples because, because they saw their Lord alive again after the cross. And Lord God, thank you for the joy we have. Help us to feel that joy deep inside of us, that this isn't just a morning that we gather up for another service. This isn't just a, a chance to do this one more time or to, to check our box for the year or anything like that, Lord. Help us to celebrate the fact that Jesus has risen for the dead on our behalf, that he bore our sins and he conquered death, and that we have a promise and an assurance of eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.